HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome to HRN on Tour at Charleston Wine and Food 2022. I'm Liza Ham, and today we are broadcasting live from the heart of the Culinary Village. This episode is made possible thanks to the support of Ben's Friends and Indigo Road Restaurant Group. I feel very lucky today because I'm here to interview the Dream Boats. The Dream Boats are restauranter Ben Tal and chef Charlie Layton. Now, your boat, we're going to talk, we're going to give a little brief bio. You're both from the UK. You both began working in kitchens there. You came to New York then, Ben, had a successful uh, hospitality group before moving to Charleston as brand director of the very amazing Dewberry Hotel, but then you started your own design group, Basic Projects. Part of that is an amazing restaurant we love because we have had HRN events there, Basic Kitchen, of which Charlie is the chef. All right, that's the food part. But what we're really here to talk about is their upcoming adventure. And they are planning to participate in the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge, in which they will row a total of 3,000 nautical miles across the Atlantic Ocean. Welcome, guys. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you First for having us. First of all, us. I think I speak for everyone when they're saying, why are you going to do this? <laughs> that is what everyone says. Um, sometimes you just have to push yourself, don't you? No, and there's been, uh, it's funny, this is, certain things in your life, you just sort of, you hear of someone doing it, um, or you read about it, and you say, you know, oh, one day I just love to do that, it really resonates with me, and Charlie and I came at it um, separately. Um, but I had a friend who, who did it in 2013 and he told me all these stories and I just said, you know, one day when the time's right, that, that's something I, I would love to do. And it's a two year, um, build up. So, so during the pandemic, um, I knew Charlie had interest in it and, um, and he'd always wanted to do it. Um, it came about through an, like when we were doing a review, like a six month employee check-in, uh, we ended up just talking about rowing the Atlantic and that was it. So. Yeah. It was quite funny. We sat down and said, like, oh, any, any goals? I was like, well, <laughs> I'm going to row across the Atlantic before I'm 30. <laughs> Short so term, there's, long so there's term. that. Uh, <laughs> and this was when I was 28, so I didn't have a lot of time to get it done. Uh, luckily, I met someone that wanted to do it as well. So, And 
do you both have experience rowing? Like, tell me even zero, zero, zero experience zero. rowing. You know, our boat was actually meant to get here um, this weekend. It's arriving uh, in two weeks. It's, it's somewhere, ironically, in the Atlantic on a big boat. Um, it was made in England. And uh, when the boat gets here, we'll be, um, we've got an amazing rowing coach who's coming over from the UK to sort of work with us for a couple of weeks to, to get us sort of set. And we've been rowing in smaller boats, but obviously ocean rowing is a very, very niche sport, um, and it's tiny here in the US. So we had our boat made in England. Our experience right now in ocean rowing is zero. Um, and but soon it'll be I mean I've watched a lot of videos <laughs> I think that counts yeah I do too so then walk back and tell me like you make this decision to do it what do you start to do to mentally and physically prepare if you don't actually have a rowboat yeah. to practice on well we we kind of agreed to to sign up and then it it did get kind of put on the back burner a little bit uh, until uh, March of 2020 uh, so we had to close the restaurant. Um, the world was standing still and we were kind of like, well, I don't really like standing still. And that's when we really started to train. Um, first off with just like getting a baseline of fitness. Um, and then we've been working in now to more of the mental side of it. We were really lucky to partner with Synchronicity, who are a local uh, recovery center for both physical and mental recovery. Um, and they're based in Mount Pleasant here in Charleston. And with them, we're, we're working out plans of like how to really test the mentality of it. Because when it comes to the event, it's going to be 70, 80% all in the mind and 20% physical. You can be as strong as you like and lift heavy weights in the gym, but that's not going to get you across the ocean. Yeah. And just to, to, to tell anyone who's listening, so the basic premise is it's 3,000 miles across the Atlantic Ocean. Charlie and I are going in a 25-foot ocean rowing boat where you can sleep in the back, and it has a watertight cabin. And we will row two hours on, two hours off, 24 hours a day uh, for anywhere between 40 and 60 days. And we'll take all our own food. We have a water maker. All our supplies will be it's unsupported. So um, as Charlie's saying, the mental side, I, I'm sitting here on the couch with Charlie about, uh, you know, we're touching each other. Imagine if we're on this couch together for 40 days and there's some big seas and we're cooking on it and we've got to go to the bathroom on it and we're washing it. So that relationship is is really critical. Um, so we've done so, a lot, some sort of stress testing. We, we get up very early in the morning and, and work out together and, and do some pretty intense stuff before... Uh, why most people are still in bed, especially if you're in the hospitality business. Yeah. You know, the idea of chefs getting up at four in the morning to go to the gym is not something that uh, and, I and I was coming up with. Well, and also, I mean, do you typically spend that much time together? And does synchronicity somehow help you with the, dy- the team dynamics? I think we honestly, we spend quite a lot of time together. It, what we did in the restaurants a lot uh, beforehand. And then just as we've you know, working together. I moved here to work with Ben. Um, so we kind of had a relationship before and it's kind of blossomed over the course of training, yeah. uh, which is a relief. Yeah, I think it's one of the things we, we're, we're working on. It's just like, what's your skill set? What's your weakness? And, um, you know, we've been... So there's Rose sort of two parts to it as well, is that the logistics of actually, you know, we both have full-time jobs um, and like putting this campaign together to row the ocean, around ocean, a massive cost up front uh, to get to the start line. We've got some incredible sponsors who have helped us do that. And so 
juggling these different um, things. Like Charlie was doing a cooking class last night um, with one of our sponsors, and he's also doing like five things at this festival this weekend. So it's like, and you were up at the sort of times I'm talking about. So there's so much going on. So I think in a way, just getting to the start line prepares you for like, you know, this. And it also sounds like it's as challenging as it's going to be. It's also going to be a nice break from normal life and a busy routine. Everyone says the first week, once you get onto that ocean and all you have to do is just row, eat and sleep and, uh, and and to kind of look after your, your small environment, it's a, a liberating uh, ex- experience. So you mentioned earlier sort of the weaknesses and strengths. Could you tell me a little bit so far of what you each think about them, as well as like, is there anything you're most excited about when you yeah. think about getting out on the Atlantic? I know my weakness. Uh, I it's all about food for me uh, a lot of the time. So when I can't eat something nice that I enjoy <laughs> I, I get kind of grumpy um, and normally that's uh, we did an event uh, an endurance event it was about the 16th hour where we were not eating properly and I was like yeah I could go to bed now I could just leave it uh, and I think it's why we make a good team as well because that's where Ben really gets going and, and digs in uh, I'm great at starting stuff and high energy into it and then Ben comes and gets us to the finish so diesel engine uh, you know it's uh yeah, I mean, I, I think a, a lot of the weaknesses they bear, like the, uh, discipline is something that like, you really, that you can't hide from this event, you can't hide from the training, you just, so, you know, you're basically looking at this mirror every day, um, and um, I think a lot of, like, teamwork and understanding, it's just each other's strengths and allowing that, and, and weaknesses and allowing, like, space, um yeah, they, I mean, I, if we want to get in my weaknesses, we'll be here till Christmas. So, um, But yeah, you asked about what's exciting about this. You know, the sort of cliche about this sort of the journey, um, not the destination. This has been totally uh, transformative in our lives. Um, and it's so positive. The, the people we've met, the things that we're doing, the training, the other people who have rode an ocean who we get to Zoom with, it's just it's been one of the most the physically being in the sort of best shape of your life just it's just been an amazing journey so far uh, so. and you're also raising funds for two yeah, charities yeah, two. so tell yeah. me a little bit about about both the organizations and why you chose them or a relationship yeah. you have with yeah, them yeah for sure uh, so Greenheart uh, is the first one we're raising for and they're based here in Charleston they are a uh, schoolyard education system uh, where they they build small urban farms in local schools and teach kids about not just about their environment about where food comes from about the positivity of good diet and and what to eat it's it's really something that like when I first started working with them through basic it was something that I wish that I'd grown up with because it's something that's so important but you don't learn about it unless you really go out there and do Uh, so that's our first yeah, and Edible Schoolyard would be the most, you know, uh, probably well-known program like like it. Um, and then the other one um, is 2041 Foundation, and that was set up by our great friend Rob Swan, who was the first man on earth to walk to the North and South Pole, and he spent the last 40 years um, protecting uh, something called the Antarctic Treaty, which is up in 2041. And so right now, no one owns Antarctica. It's a land for peace and science. 
and um, the treaty is up in 2041. So every year, Rob takes uh, about 100 people down to Antarctica, young people, educators, um, people who are interested in, in saving this, this world, and um, takes them down and does these leadership programs down there. And um, so it's really, really effective. I got to do it in 2016, and it changed Amazing. my life. So. Now, can you uh, tell listeners like when this exactly will start? Yeah. How long it's going to last and how you plan to celebrate afterwards? <laughs> so, I mean, it starts December 12th. Um, it's going to last, Charlie. We're aiming for between 40 and 50 days. Okay. Um, hopefully 40. And, um, yeah, just we'll get one, and how are we going to celebrate? We'll probably have a break from each other will be a celebration. <laughs> we'll have a big party this time next year in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, and in the restaurants and we'll probably take a bit of a break from rowing um, but uh, I always make the joke so the finish line's in Antigua and whenever anyone asks me it's like well I've always wanted to go to Antigua so I figured I'd row there it's <laughs> the best way to get there right <laughs> exactly Absolutely. and then you deserve to have a very good cocktail afterwards for oh my as long we'll, as you we'll want to be we'll be talking there. about our meal I think for, for <laughs> 40 days <laughs> how did you two first meet yes so I uh, was working at a small pub in Cornwall in the southwest of England and it was owned by a, a London-based oyster company. They put it on the market because they closed their oyster farm and Ben and his brother um, bought the pub and Ben and Kate, his wife, came over to renovate and, and, and kind of fix it up because it hadn't really been touched in about 30 years and they completely gutted it um, and that's how we really bonded because it was a lot of fun. They kept so everyone on to. That'll do it. Charlie's not say we. I've lived in America for a long time now. My wife's American, and we came to where my brother lives and Charlie's living. It's very sleepy, so a little fishing village and bulldozed this place. It was like sort of an episode of like Flip or Flop or something like an HGTV, and everyone was like, "What are these people doing to this?" <laughs> Hub's been there for 300 years. So we had like a mass exodus on day one. Uh, and Charlie, you legend, you stayed and um, we became great friends. And obviously now he's such a talent. I will say I actually tried to quit. I was going to be like, <laughs> I was living in Cornwall and I was like, oh, I need to move to a bigger city. I put my notice in with Ben's brother, Zander. And about two days later, Ben phoned me. He was like, oh, so you're going to move to America, aren't you? It's like, okay. <laughs> done so when did you move to charleston uh december of 2018 okay so tell me about both of you living in charleston what do you love most about it honestly i my whole life changed when i moved here i was very much in the the cliche like kitchen life of work 18 hour days go to the pub after work drink beer wake up drink coffee to make sure you feel human again do an 18 hour day drink beer drink coffee and just, it was like a rinse and repeat cycle I really wasn't looking after myself and then I moved to Charleston and Ben gave me his bike uh, Peggy who he rode across uh, the country on and I was like okay well that's how I'm going to get around Charleston it's flat here I may as well I was I landed and I was just over 325 pounds I cycled everywhere Farm meetings over on, to, uh, on John's Island. I would ride there, 26-mile round trip. Meetings at the post house when we were just opening it. I would bike there. And I literally just grabbed the bull by the horns and, and, and really went for it. And then through that and responding to what we were doing at, at Basic and like kind of what the mission statement was of like making vegetables fun and accessible 
and not being like an exclusive diet place of like oh yeah we only serve like plant-based food it's like oh no we do everything but like have you tasted this vegetable it's beautiful and kind of grabbing that by the horns it really affected my my lifestyle and i went plant-based january of last year and i haven't really looked back really it has changed your life charlie is Char and charlie just went home uh, for the first time in three years because he got stuck here with the pandemic because of his visa situation and you move to the, the south here from England, you think you're going to come back, like just eating all this great food and just you hear all those stories and Charlie <laughs> right back in Cornwall, just like a different person. Um, I can only imagine the, the face of, of your mates in the park. No one recognized me. I had to go and tell people that I was there, like sit, sit with them and be like, this really is me, me now. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's amazing. And, and for us as a... You know, Charlie's just sort of hit the nail on the head, but as a company with basic projects and what, what we've got to do here, and our, the, we've got a new restaurant opening in four weeks on Solomon's Island, and um, and we've got some really exciting plans with sort of some of the this, this stuff that Charlie's talking about with, with sort of healthy food, but in a really fun, approachable way. And I think it's just a great city to be in um, for, for all the things that we're doing. And, and honestly, the what happened over the last couple of years, we've, we've had some amazing people move here and relocate here, which is helped helped a lot as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about the new restaurant opening? Yeah, so it's a new restaurant's going to be called uh, Sullivan's Fish Camp, and it's out on Sullivan's Island, which is uh, a barrier island 10 miles from downtown. It was a restaurant. It was established in 1988, and we have just kind of breathe new life into it. We've been working on it for two years because we got, got it just before the pandemic. We say, and I don't know if this is relevant, but like our whole design has been around, um, you know, if you could still smoke in restaurants, you'd probably smoke in this one. So it's all like paneled and tons of fishermen stuff. And, and then the food's going to be all kind of South Carolina sustainably sourced seafood, grilled or fried and um, super classic. Oh, that sounds delicious. Yeah, no, we're really excited about it. Different to basic kitchen. But good. Everyone needs a bit of both. <laughs> and finally, I should ask, um, what specifically you've been doing for the festival? Oh, yeah. So we are going to be at the Cocktail Queens event tomorrow with Basic Kitchen, um, doing some nice little past canapes. And then we have a signature brunch at, at Basic on Sunday with Stephen Satterfield from Miller Union. We're at dreamboats.us on Instagram. Dreamboats.us is our website as well. So pop on and have a look, have a follow. Sounds great. Thank, thank you, you all. Thanks. And thank you for listening to HRN's live coverage <laughs> of Charleston Wine and Food Festival. I'm Liza Ham. Special thanks to Ben's Friends, an addiction and substance abuse support group for members of the food and beverage industry, and to Indigo Road Restaurant Group for making our coverage possible. You can listen to all our coverage on our podcast, Heritage Radio Network on Tour, and find it on heritageradionetwork.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member 
Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.